Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 
I had trouble finding a story that's really about Buddhism and intimate relationships or you know, one-to-one relationships, lover relationships. And I will talk about that a little bit more later. It's one of the one of the tensions in Buddhism is the fact that it really speaks towards intimacy. It really speaks towards love. But it also tends to look a little bit askance at personal relationships. So there's not a lot of information about um, intimacy, one-to-one intimacy in Buddhism, um, especially in, in the stories and the koans from the past. So I was telling my lover about this at a dinner party last night where we were with some couples, including new friends, Maven and Robert, who have three kids. And the seven-year-old was drawing pictures of everybody. So, and he drew a picture of Rick, my partner, who's here, and I. And I thought I would share that with you in lieu of a story. So. <laughs> 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 sort of a koan of sorts. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sort of an electric caterpillar. <laughs> and uh, Rick has several noses here and several eyes. And Alexander explained that he could pick his own nose. With some <laughs> <laughs> very, very seven-year-old thing to say. So I thought I would share those. I also want to read a poem that is from Queer Dharma, uh, the first volume, that I think begins to, to touch on the connection between Buddhism and intimacy, especially for us as gay men, and it is by David Shura. It's called Climbing in Silence. We agree to climb in silence, the way we sit each morning, legs crossed, breathing, observing our breathing. When sometimes your breath reminds me of other sighs, deeper, warmer, stirring that serpents of desire safe beneath the begging bowl of my hands. We climb and I I note each step, each step up crumpled rock, wrinkled, hatched, fractious, past gardens of brilliant lichen and piled high carns, along mountains Neanderthal a brow, and animal runs lined with green blueberries. We climb in silence, but there is clatter enough, wind batters, riprap gavels underfoot, grasshoppers clack from scrub to scrub. At Ellsworth Spring, we crouch and pass the silence between us, gulp water long conspired from this cabal of birch, moss, fern, and rock, cold as glacier memory, so cold our green water bottles sweat. Up again we hoist our packs to climb, and I note my step, my breath, mosquitoes, seductive hum. I note it all, yarrow, honeysuckle, stiff-backed pines, sheep sorrel, sheep laurel, pale corydalis, curl of tar black scat, orange hawkweed, orange fritillary, and orange-backed grasshoppers. But I am a pirate to our silence, and plot to write down all I see and hear, treasure to give you at long silence end, the way my hand sometimes strays across yours as we unknot from morning's meditation, serpent of memory and desire, stirred by your sighs, still stirring. my work as a psychotherapist, um, I often tell couples that relationships require us to grow 
in ways that we wouldn't otherwise. And it not only makes us better people, but more importantly, it makes us happier people. And when I think about what Buddhist practice has meant for me, it's very much the same thing, that Buddhism requires me to grow in ways that I wouldn't have left on my own. And it not only makes me a better person, but more importantly, it makes me a happier person. And that begins to speak towards the connection between Buddhism and relationships. When we talk about um, Buddhist practice, we think, most importantly, about sitting. And when you're sitting, you're inviting this experience of intimacy with whatever arises, whatever sensations, whatever thoughts, whatever feelings. And sometimes when you meditate, it's a very pleasant, warm feeling. And sometimes when you meditate, it's uncomfortable, painful feelings arise, or feelings of anger, or feelings of fear. And if you hang in there with your practice and continue with it, you find this gentleness, this gentle curiosity, this compassion that begins to grow for whatever arises inside of you. And then when we do this, a real self-love or love for this being that we are can begin to happen. And the same is true for relationship, that when we're in relationship, when we're in intimacy with our partner, with our lover, with a special someone in our lives, we are experiencing all kinds of thoughts and feelings and sensations arising. And we hope that that's a pleasant and warm experience. But sooner or later, the very difficult things come up. We bump up against things about ourselves we don't like. We bump up against things about our partner that we don't like. And we feel fear, we feel anger, we feel all kinds of difficult sensations. And if we hang in there with it, with our partner, what we discover is that there's this growing feeling of compassion that develops, the sense of gentle curiosity about what's happening. And here's the connection between Buddhist practice and relationship. There's a way in which relationship can deepen Buddhist practice, and Buddhist practice can deepen relationship together. When you read about Buddhism or hear concepts in Buddhism, a lot of it refers to very relational ideas. You hear terms like interconnectedness, non-separateness, non-duality. And always there's a reference to the importance of compassion and loving kindness. And all these things speaks, speak to how they're connected to relationship. Again, there's a way in which Buddhism can deepen our intimacy practice and intimacy can deepen our Buddhist practice. There are three concepts that I want to talk about today that are related to that, particularly. One is the concept of interconnectedness. The other one is <coughs> compassion and loving kindness. And then the last one is non-duality. But before we do that, there's something that I wanted to read here from the, from the Dalai Lama. He said, I don't know why people like me so much. It must be because I value bodhicitta, and bodhicitta is the awakened heart mind. I can't claim to practice it, but I value it. We care about the awakened heart because, like a flower in full bloom, it is a full realization of our nature. Feeling loved and loving matters to us beyond all else. We feel most who we are when we feel connected with each other and the world around us. 
when our hearts are open, generous, and filled with love. Even when our hearts feel tight or numb, we still care about caring. And here's the reference to the way in which Buddhism is really referring to intimacy, really referring to connection with all things, whether you're talking about a single lover or whether you're talking about all sentient beings. Before I go into talking about these concepts related to Buddhism, one of the things that I bump up against as a practicing Buddhist is this tension between my personal approach to Buddhism, which is really about decreasing suffering and increasing happiness in my own life. I really came to Buddhism for, in a lot of ways, selfish reasons, because I was going through a time in my life where there was a lot of suffering, a lot of loss, a lot of friends and people close to me were dying. And um, I really needed some relief, and also as a psychotherapist, I'm very interested in relieving suffering. That's really what it's about. Um, and yet, when you start to read a lot about um, Buddhism, um, it's really, it really comes from a monastic tradition. It's really, much of it is written for monks who are leaving the normal life that they had behind and really devoting their entire existence to realizing enlightenment, which means leaving behind everything that they know. And I, I was not prepared to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not prepared to give up desire. I'm not prepared to give up relationship. I'm not prepared to um, become a monk. So how do you approach relationship and Buddhism together? How do you approach this monastic tradition when many of us here approach Buddhism from a standpoint of wanting to relieve suffering and increase happiness for all of us? And so that's a question. It's also a question in terms of dealing with a personal relationship because much of Buddhist writing looks a little bit askance at personal intimate relationships. Again, in the monastic tradition, that's discouraged. Um, You're supposed to be working towards loving all beings equally and really decreasing attachment in your life. And yet, personally for me, it's very important for me to feel that loving attachment to my partner. So how do I find a balance there? And um, it made me realize that for us in the West and for us in relationship, and for us as gay men, we're really creating a Buddhism that, that works for us, that is, is applying this monastic tradition to just the experience of becoming more happy, becoming more alive in relationship. Um, so I want to talk first about interconnectedness. Um, and interconnectedness also deals with the idea of non-separateness and interdependence. When I think about the concept of interconnectedness, I think about that very old joke about the two waves going along in the Pacific. And the one wave says to the other wave, do you believe in the ocean? And the second wave says, no, I don't think it exists. It's a, it's a very old idea, but it refers to the fact that you can't escape interconnectedness. You can't escape belonging. You can't escape interdependence. It is our true nature. It is who we really are. It really means, on a most personal level, that you are not alone, that you are an essential part of everything, and that it emphasizes less my individuality and more emphasizes my belonging to everything. In practical terms, 
interdependence, interconnectedness invites us to pay attention to value and nurture our connections with other people. And partnership is obviously a great place to do this, a place where we experience connectedness, a place to explore the territory of non-separateness, of interdependence. It can be a very, very powerful experience of, of connection and interconnectedness. Now, some people, when we talk about things like interconnectedness, interdependence, non-separateness, can get a little bit squeamish because in this culture, we're very um, focused on our own personal space, my own sense of boundaries, my autonomy and independence. We really worship that to the exclusion of the belongingness. And so as a result, there's a lot of loneliness in our culture, even for those of us that are in relationship. Thich <coughs> said that um, in the West, uh, Buddha is Sangha. And because he's referring to the fact that there's so much a sense of isolation in the West that us practicing together is really the medicine that we need most. And yet there's a lot of fear around this because many of us come from families or environments where it wasn't safe for us to have our own sense of autonomy and still feel connected to other people. So. I talk to clients or couples who come to me for counseling about the difference between independence and codependence and interdependence. Most of us understand what independence is. That's pretty straightforward. Codependence is where I give up something essential about myself in order to be in relationship with you, where I lose track of my own core center. I lose track of my own essential inner voice in order to connect with you. I start to worship our relationship together instead of listening to my own heart first. And then interdependence, which Buddhism emphasizes a lot, allows for the fact that my own inner voice is really where I begin and where I end. Buddha was big on listening to your own inner voice as being the most important reference point not taking anything that the Buddha said at face value to really compare it to your own experience. So he was big on staying connected to your own experience and still being allowed to, to connect with other people. So interdependence on a psychological level and also on a Buddhist level is talking about being able to have a sense of separateness and still being able to have a sense of belonging. So the invitation of interconnectedness is that it can open us to our connectedness to all sentient beings, which is really sort of the, the goal in Buddhism and where we have the real experience of not ever being lonely anymore, of the, this way of being connected to everything. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, Please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.